Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Pei Chen here with you, Saturdays until 4 o'clock. Last week, I was really smug, and I told you all to put away your winter stuff because I said it wasn't going to be cold anymore. And uh, because I don't have a real meteorology degree, I was a liar. It's cold out today. I don't even have my mittens on. It's nice, though. It's nice and sunny, but you just have to be dressed for it if you're outdoors. Uh, When I was walking here, I was along, um, what street was that? Richmond. And I saw a group of young girls, uh, maybe like in their early 20s. All, all in these short little skirts, these high heels that they could barely walk in, and they're like leaning into the wind and, uh, and like huddling and trying to stay warm. And they're wearing little leprechaun hats and shamrock stickers and carrying like green things. And is this a thing where people still celebrate St. Patrick's Day days late? Like, you're, you're, it's over. Although I tweeted it and someone said, actually, maybe they're just going home. <laughs> from celebrating. And I'm like, oh, that's right, because they're young enough to have the energy to do that, and they don't need sleep for three days. Um, now, a story out of the U.S. that I, I saw the other day was really interesting. It says that um, emergency dental visits go up 64% the day after St. Patrick's Day. So basically, all of those clumsy leprechauns who have a little too much to drink, stumble over their pot of gold, whatever it may be. Um, but to clarify, that 64% increase in emergency dental is just for men. There is actually no difference in dental like you know, emergencies for women. So I think that, that kind of Kind of says a lot, doesn't it? Uh, a couple of things. You might remember uh, Chef Rob Braganolo. He's been on the show a couple of times, especially when the show used to be on Sunday nights. Um, and he used to be the chef at Marbin, which is on uh, Wellington Street West, for a couple of years. But he's just opened Carver, and he's been on the show kind of talking about it. Uh, I think he was on during the holidays. And we were just sort of anticipating when this place would finally be open. It's a really you know cute little takeout, casual spot. He does uh, like slow roasted meats. So a specialty is very much his porchetta sandwich. Um, so just opened a couple of days ago, and I walked by yesterday and I grabbed a sandwich at Peter in Adelaide. Um, cute little spot. So if you are in the area, you know, you might want to pop in. It's really close to the station, which is a little bit dangerous. Uh, coming up on the show today, Chef Ricardo will be on to talk about some of the things he found out about um, Canadian eating habits and how they differ from province to province. And that was for the latest issue of his food magazine. Um, Ricardo also includes uh, why why a lot of us love 30-minute meals, um, the amount that we budget for groceries, kind of what our priorities are. And he pinpoints, you know, which province, um, you know, focuses the most on getting dinner on the table really quickly versus the province that focuses the most on healthy food. So you might be able to, maybe you can guess correctly. Um, plus, he's got a lot of tips for making mealtime a bit less of a chore and maybe getting more people involved if you happen to be the one who does everything. And that means, you know, you're the one who's doing grocery shopping and meal planning and the cooking and the cleaning. Um, also, the One of a Kind show kicks off March 23rd to the 27th. So it's taking place over Easter weekend at the Enter Care Center. That's at an exhibition place. Uh, tickets, if you do buy them there on site, they're $15 each. Um, but 
I will be giving away later in the show five pairs of tickets to the one of a kind spring show. So listen for your cue to enter and for your chance to win a pair of admission tickets. Hey, it'll save you uh, 30 bucks. That's $30 you can put towards buying something really great down there. I love the show. I love the one of a kind show and I do try to visit it. There's usually the spring show and the Christmas show. And uh, you can really, I mean, like the title says, you can find one of a kind items, like really unique things down there. So here's a development in my life. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like I looked over at Nick as though he'd be like, he'd have a, he'd have a, you know, some sort of sound effect. Uh, Nick is my technical producer for the day. Hi, Nick. He's usually here during the weekdays, but I get to have him in today. Um, I have joined Snapchat. That's right. It is as important as that music makes it sound. Uh, if you are on it, I would love you to text in. Let me know. You can always text in during the show, 71010. Uh, I do love reading your text. I really resisted joining Snapchat because um, I thought it was something that teenagers use. Apparently, I think teenagers really do use it a lot. Like It's kind of a, the millennial thing. But then I was finding more and more people that I knew my age we're on Snapchat. I'm already on Twitter. I'm already on Instagram. I'm already on Facebook. I didn't know how much more I could manage. So my name, my name, Pei Chen, was already taken. So I had to make my Snapchat uh, Pei Chen Eats. So you can find me there. If you know how to use Snapchat, please text me because so far, all I know how to do is take funny photos. I haven't quite figured out what to do with it just yet. Um, I often hear stories of, uh, well, I'm sure you do too, and I'm sure some of you have probably, you're probably going through this. Do you have a child who moved out and then moved back home later on, maybe after school or maybe after a year or two of being on their own? Uh, text in 71010, let me know, because I think it happens to a lot. I've got friends uh, who have kids who've moved back because they want to save up money to buy a place or just save up to live on their own or save money so that they can pay off maybe some tuition or other debt that they have. Well, one frustrated Toronto mother apparently um, billed her grown son for the 13 months that he's been back at home. And he posted this invoice on Reddit and it outlines how he's been taking advantage of the situation where he like lived on his own, then moved back home with mom and that he hasn't been appreciating what his family has been offering. So he took a photo of this uh, and posted it and his mom outlined all these different line items detailing his share of the expenses or what they would have been if she had actually charged him. So he apparently moved home so he could uh, save money and move out later with his girlfriend. So the items include like one-fifth of the cost of hydro, one-fifth of the cost of the gas bill, internet cable. Those were like pretty reasonable. Um, she also included the five years of tuition that they footed at $24,000. Um, also several thousand dollars for the health benefit previ- uh, premiums, which he benefited from because in his mind, visits to the dentist are free. And I will tell you as someone who is self-employed and does not have health coverage, visits to the dentist are so expensive, it makes you want to cry. She also billed him, which I think she lowballed, $50 a month for her cleaning services, including cleaning the house, the bathroom, vacuuming. And she tacked on, this is the best line item, she tacked on a premium of $1,000 on this invoice for her son for, quote, being an 
a hole and not appreciative of your mother's support financially or otherwise. The total for the invoice for the last 13 months since he moved back home was $39,254.17. So my question is, if you had a grown child who moved back home, you wouldn't charge them that much, but would you charge them something? Like, would you charge them a few hundred bucks in rent or... um Maybe it's just a few hundred dollars just to, you know, cover like the cable and the hydro and some groceries. Uh, I, I don't think any of my friends have done that actually with their kids who've moved back home. I could see that being something my mother would do actually. Um, my, the guy says that he knows his mother doesn't actually expect him to pay any of it, but she sent him this $39,000 invoice to make a point and to make him realize how much she does as his mom and that um, he is being a little bit of a spoiled brat. Yep. Um, so I've got a guest in studio. Uh, my first guest here is uh, Sonia Davidson. She's a blogger, a writer, also a mom. You've got how many boys? I've got two boys, actually. You've got two boys. Yeah. Now, if they moved out and then moved back home, would you... That's hard because people are like, oh, but they're my babies. Exactly. You know, and the thing is also, it's, I think it's a bit cultural as well because mm-hmm. um, my husband's not Chinese. I'm Chinese. And I think culturally, we actually, we kind of joke around about this because we say, you know, um, my kids, I, I feel like I don't want them to move out until they get married. And if they come back with their families, I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's cultural, right? It is um, cultural. Yeah. Asian families tend to be multi-generational. Yeah, exactly. And and his, his is like, oh, they got to go explore the world and they got to be worldly and so we'll see what happens when that time comes and hopefully it doesn't. <laughs> but if they moved back in with you yeah. and, you know, assuming they have, let's say they have a job, would you say, look, you know what, uh, you need to pay $500 a month just to cover something or would you be footing the bill? I think, again, it's a cultural thing. Um, I, I believe that my husband would say you have to pay something <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be, again, you know, total mom going, no, no, it's okay. So <laughs> my I, babies yeah, are home. My babies, you know, they'll drive me around <laughs> and they'll, they'll make me dinner once to be a chef, you know, I'm, I'm like... And you'll still clean good. and do the laundry and do all that? I think I probably... Not that I do that now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, so I'm not going to start. Is basically we'll, we'll have to work on that. Okay, obviously. that's something to yeah, consider. Yeah. Your kids are still little. You've got a yeah, couple of years. Little. At the very least, they would be... You would hope that you've taught them to appreciate Absolutely. those things, right? Absolutely. And I think that they're, they're definitely um, showing well. My older one definitely showing the signs of, you know, responsibility and helping out and things like that. How old are great. they? Uh, 16 and uh, 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're not that little, little. They're not that little. In no, my no. mind, they're 16. He's like uh, I know, in my mind, man. they're little, too. <laughs> yeah. But when you see the 16-year-old, he's he's pretty tall. So I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he's not so, little. Sonia, I know that you you do a, uh, you do cover a lot in terms of the, the Toronto scene. So you, um, you're a mom blogger. So you mm-hmm. really um, kind of, you review a lot of products. You check out a lot of different things, like shows and stuff in the city. And one thing that I know you're really into is um, Macaroon Day. And we're going to talk about that more after the break. Um, but you just got involved because how, why? Okay. An addiction. Yes. (laughs) I think it's the first and foremost thing, uh, with macarons and I fell in love with them the first time in, uh, France when we had visited, uh, maybe 10 years ago or something. And I kind of had this addiction and then they started coming up in Toronto and we started seeing them everywhere. And then it became this passion and obsession, honestly. A true obsession for you? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And, and macaron day is kind of, you know, the kickoff to spring. It's always the first day of spring and, and something to look forward to. And I think, you know, coming out of winter and, 
you know, we wanted something fresh and happy. It's, yeah. It's one and of those you, things. Because you know? I, I wondered, because I thought, well, you're not, uh, you know, you, you're, you're not a baker, like, and you don't have a bakery, but you're really involved with, in terms of getting the word out about uh, Macaron Day, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow. And we're going to talk a bit more about that um, after the break and how you can get involved. So basically, it's kind of like two people win. You do from, you know, enjoying something delicious. And then uh, what the different shops are doing is partnering with various charities and donating a portion of their sales. So we'll talk uh, more about that after the break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your sunny Saturday afternoon. It's actually... The last day of winter, the winter that never really came, uh, which is fine by me, really, I don't have any uh, problems with that. Uh, my guest in studio is Sonia Davidson. She's a writer and a blogger, someone who really knows the city very well. Um, and you've been involved with Macaron Day. And the macarons we're talking about are the um, the, the little French macarons that people see. Like, they look like little little sam- cookie sandwiches, almost. Exactly. It's it's We often uh, confuse them with macaroons, which are yes. the coconut clustered type of things, which are delicious as well. And they actually have their own day. They do? That's, yeah, yeah. It's Macaroons I think have their own it's day. March thirty wow. first or May thirty first. Um, but so that's a totally separate day. But yeah, these are the uh, French delicacies that are made with uh, almond flour, sugar, and egg whites, and they originate from France. And it's kind of one of those things that you know when you go to Paris, you associate macarons with Paris, and yeah, everybody says you know you have to go to La Jarret or Pierre Hermès to to get the best macarons in France type of thing. See, the thing with macarons is they are so beautiful. Mm, they are mm-hmm. whether like I like macarons. They're um, they're like you're you have an obsession with them. I don't think I have the same level of obsession as you do. I I do find the draw sometimes that they're just so stunning because they come in a million different colors. Yeah, they're they can be so stunning. And what I find really interesting, especially here in North America, is the bakeries here are starting to really push the envelopes of the flavors. They, you know, in in France, you get a lot of traditional flavors like the chocolate and the pistachio and caramel, sea salt caramel and all those beautiful yes. lavender cassis. And here in Toronto, especially, like I love seeing the pushing of the boundaries of the flavors that are coming out. And There's some crazy flavors. Crazy, and some, like, yeah. I, you know, I'll see like bacon maple syrup. And uh, I know that you brought in some macarons actually from uh, Butter Avenue, which is, they've got two locations in town. Mm-hmm. And they actually had sent some out to various people in the media just to make them aware of Macaron Day. Right. And I was trying, I didn't, I kind of was guessing at, to which one was which, but they had really fun flavors like Amaretto Sour and Mont Blanc, one with uh, chestnut, dark chocolate, and Madagascar vanilla. I like that one a lot. It's delicious. And then there are ones like made with um, like a premium oolong tea from Taiwan. Like different. Like they're really quite um, experimental. They are, and and they're actually known for that. And they uh, actually have a really interesting cult following now in the city. When I've noticed that people really make a trek out to their locations in particular because they're so unique in the flavors and uh you know there's a few that i love like the black sesame and i'm hoping that's coming out tomorrow as well and <laughs> trying to you know i was trying to milk them this morning for what's coming out and um i know butterscotch rum is coming out tomorrow Ooh, that is, sounds delicious yeah so macaron day is march 20th which is tomorrow and it's um it started 
in Paris. It did actually. Pierre Emet's, uh, I think it was in 2005 mm-hmm. that uh, he decided he wanted to do something about charity and giving back with this iconic uh, pastry that he's been making and thought, you know, why why can't we recognize charities that we love? And so it started off that way uh, in there and now it's spread it out to ver- various cities around the world, uh, Japan, in Tokyo, um, you know, Los Angeles, there's so many places. It's really gone international. In New York, yes, it's gone international, and everyone recognizes the same day. I think Japan does it actually tomorrow. So the uh, whole idea was that it, w- it would basically tie in with the beginning of spring. Exactly, exactly. So And so in the city, um, there are various bakeries and shops that are taking part in Macaron Day, which is tomorrow, and um, they all, they're donating. There's a couple of different charities, so some of the bakeries decided to uh, you know, choose their own charity of choice, right. and they donate a proceed, they donate a portion of the proceeds to charity. Right. So the day sales, uh, and everyone has done their own thing, which is great. There's a collective uh, under the Macaron Day uh, TO uh, collective that have decided to donate to Red Door Shelter. That's which is a great family great shelter, yeah. Yeah, charity. Yeah. Yep. And they've been doing that uh, for several years now. Uh, Nadege is doing Sick Kids uh, mm-hmm. Foundation. Uh, Rolling Pin is doing uh, The Stop which is another oh, oh, that's fabulous, a great, fabulous yeah, organization. Uh, yeah. And Butter Avenue is donating to Kids Cook to Care, which my child is actually involved in. So really pleased so, about that. You know, I've talked to the um, the woman who started, there's two women who started Kids Cook to Care. And I love, I love, love, love the idea of this organization. So what they do is they um, they partner up with uh, like a, a known chef in the city. And then they get kids to um, help them out and cook a meal for various charities, but like, like shelters basically. Right. Right. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and we came across this charity, um, my son, my 11 year old, who has a passion for food as well and wants to be a chef. Um, and it seems like a nice fit for a charity for him. And we were amazed, uh, the experience that the kids get. Um, you know, the first time we went, we went to a men's homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. And what was taught to the kids was, you know, everyone, no matter what their background is, income, age, race, whatever, um, deserves a good, nourishing, healthy meal from scratch. And the fact that these chefs come out, like, you know, Carl Heinrich has come out, David, David Lee has come out, mm-hmm. um, amazing, amazing chefs that donate their time as well to bring in these kids. Like, could you imagine, you know, you're running a regular kitchen with yes. dinner service. Never mind that. Like, you've got a bunch, got of, a kids. bunch of kids running around exactly. trying to make a meal for, yeah, <laughs> for exactly. And they're at stations. It's amazing. They're cooking, they're prepping, they're mm-hmm. plating, they're taught respect mm-hmm. of how to plate and how to present the food, which is, above and beyond what, you know, most people would think, oh, you know, we're going to do a community kitchen, but the kids learn the respect of it and understand, you know, the process of a kitchen. And I think it's amazing for the chefs as well. Ron White, I was in one with him and it was just amazing to see what he had to learn as well, because it wasn't just a matter of serving a meal. It was, you had to consider kosher, halal, vegetarian. Oh, yeah, different like dietary needs. Exactly. I mm-hmm. mean, these are people, you know, and we have to respect everybody, you know, and their needs as well. I like the idea that it's not just kids learning how to cook, mm-hmm. which is a great skill to have, and a lot of kids don't, you know, get that sort of training. Um, but I, I love that they do serve people in shelters. So mm-hmm. there's like learning that level of respect for people who may uh, live quite differently than you. Uh, so if you do want to find out more information about um, kids care to cook, it, I think they do it about once, once a, a month, month yeah. right? So kids 
Oh, kids cook to care. Right. <laughs> I'm like, which actually makes sense either way, but kidscooktocare.com yeah, um, is the website and people can just, they sign up, right? And they absolutely. kind of, I think you apply. You apply and yeah. there's there's a wait list. Of course, it's such a popular, um, but it's it's a very grassroots type of charity. So it's really nice. And, and they do take care of, you know, they don't want to overload and, you know, overload absolutely. the shelters as well. So it's it's a nice charity. So, we, you know, we hope people are patient to wait their turn to get in as well. And it's a great and experience. So uh, Macaron Day is tomorrow, so uh, participating bakeries are donating a portion of their sales to various charities. So you did bring some things from the Rolling Pin, which is a lovely little bakery, which is on Young, north of Lawrence. Right. And they've got some really fun flavors, like just very quickly. I know one was like oh. a Fruit Loops or something. Yes, Fruit Loops. They've got a Cherry Bomb. And their whole thing is about retro. So yes. It's, it's, it's they have so beautiful donuts, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's some here there right now. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they have this really cool one that is a pina colada that actually has a shot and if you're a if you're familiar with Rolling Pin, they have their donuts with their um, flavor shots that are injected in the side. So there's one pina colada one uh, with a Jamaican rum shot. Well, th- now you know what you're lining up for tomorrow. Thank you so much, Sonia. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was so it was great. Fun. So I hope everyone takes part in uh, Macaron Day tomorrow. You can get yourself a sweet treat or something for uh, a friend and then also uh, help out a uh, charity in the city as well. More with Pay Chen on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm very distracted with uh, Sonia Davidson, who brought in a ton of macarons here for me to enjoy. And then she started packing them up in a box and said, do you want one to, do you want to wolf down some? And I picked the lemon one because that is one of my favorite flavors. Uh, so Chef Ricardo is on the line. Hi, Ricardo. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Now, uh, I just saw the your latest spring issue, which is beautiful, of your magazine. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you had done a survey about food and eating habits across Canada. And why did you decide to do this? Well, you know what? First, I did it a bit for myself because for years we, uh, we are focused on helping out families to eat together, try to save time. Make, yeah, our life simpler. And I was wondering if what I believed uh, was actually what people really needed. And I had some surprises. Some, so we called about 3,000 people from coast to coast, and we've asked them different questions. So, and I, yeah, and what, what was surprising to you? First of all, I thought that we were very, very organized, cooking on weekends, <laughs> uh, first, but actually, no, not at all. Most of us in the country will decide at 4 o'clock what we'll have <laughs> Sorry for dinner. So, so I said, okay, then it needs to be very quick. Then first, number one, especially in Ontario and British Columbia, people are looking for healthy food. Then the budget is very important. It doesn't mean that everyone eats healthy and mm-hmm. the budget is always good, but it means it's a concern. I have to address that concern. So I said, okay, it has to be quick. It has to be healthy. It has to be not too expensive. So for each question, I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm acknowledging what people actually want. And, and from there, I'll be better to even create more recipes that talk to everyone. I, uh, as, yes, I, when I'm thinking of fruit and vegetables, mm-hmm. I'm very pleased to see that 
most of the vegetables and fruit that we like are vegetables that we harvest and grow in Canada. Oh, that's good. great. It means we can do something for the local economy. Potato, vegetable number one, mm-hmm. where the favorite vegetable for kids is broccoli. No, is that a no? Come on. That's got to yeah, be, I'm that's not you, real. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's broccoli number what? one. What? Why are we co- complaining? <laughs> they love it. They call it the tree vegetable. Oh, yeah, so, well, it so, is a little tree. <laughs> it is, actually. So... I thought it was pretty cool to get to know that. And for fruit, mm-hmm. except for banana. Yes. I mean, the rest is apple and all the berries, strawberries, blueberries, oh, raspberries. Nice. It's nice because every province is actually harvesting some, so we can even put more emphasis on that. And, it, it, I mean, statistics like that are going on and on. Like, men in Ontario are the one that takes most part into preparing the meal and going to grocery store. Where in Quebec, this is where people will stay around the table for a, a longest period of time, and wine is very important. Almost every day, people will pair wine <laughs> with, uh, with food, where Ontario is the province that will drink per capita the less wine in the country. Is that not based on my friends, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, I did find that quite interesting in your in your sort of provincial breakdown, and it said that in Quebec uh, they enjoy drinking wine. I thought, well, that, that's every province, but in Quebec they enjoy drinking wine the most. <laughs> but if you look at the real numbers, yes, uh, it doesn't mean that Ontario doesn't go into uh, alcohol, but sometimes maybe there's some uh, other liquor. Uh, different. I mean, it's it's the drinking habit is a bit different. Right. It doesn't mean that they don't drink. It's just a bit different like when it comes to pairing food and wine. When you look at uh, time uh, spent around the table, well, in the Maritimes, I thought it would be it would be like longer than anyone else. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe it's just a fantasy living, you know, in a slower pace of life. No, it's not the case. Actually, they're the one that eats less time in, around the, the table or stays the, long, the, the, the shortest around the table where in the prairies, I mean, they will cook for a longer period of time. In Ontario, they they live like uh, in Europe. So Toronto, because we are stuck in traffic so much Mm -hmm. and all that, by the time you're out of the office, you you just, I mean, you, you, you went to pick up the kids, stop at the grocery store. I mean, the average is between 7 and 7.30. Well, which Where, is quite late, uh, yeah. It's quite late. I mean, I mean, but it, everything is easy to understand when you look at the lifestyle. Where in the, in the, the Maritimes, by six thirty, everything is done. The dishes are done. It, you're ready to move on to something else. Yeah, you know what's so funny I'm, is like because I'm from Halifax. That's where I grew up. And when I go home and I try to catch up with friends, uh, they'll say, "Well, let's do you want to have supper and let's let's go to a restaurant at six o'clock." And half the time I think in Toronto, I don't know that the restaurants are even open at six o'clock. You know, half the time <laughs> here it's like my friends want to eat dinner at yeah. nine or nine thirty. I'm like, oh, it's too late. I want something in the middle. Uh, what I you're also right. found note, uh, interesting about the survey that you did was. Uh, um, that you know, in British Columbia, this didn't. This did not surprise me. Uh, that they are they are sort of the most eco conscious in terms yeah, of what they true. eat. It's true. I mean, there's some facts that I mean, it cannot be a surprise from beginning to end. Some things you just actually confirm what you believe were. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, very oriented around you know, like uh, everything that is eco. But when it comes to uh, are, are we open as a nation? We are extremely open. We love to try new types of food. We're, we're traditionalists, but not that much. 
when you go number one exotic food in Ontario is Caribbean food. Mm, nice. In Quebec, it's Italian food. We're in Alberta, it's Vietnamese. And if you go Manitoba, Saskatchewan, they are really, really liking Mexican food. And, uh, and I think it's great because when you travel from a province to another as a tourist or just to work, I always think that as different as it can be, I'll be happier because you don't want to live in the same plain, you know, place where everything is alike. When I'm thinking of France, Italy, Greece, from a city to another, it is different. And I think that being that putting all these differences into a pedestal to say we have to cherish this and and even go further, like I want to have new cheese in Alberta and discover new wine when I'm going, you know, in different places. It will even boost our economy, not only our self-esteem and our pride of living wherever it is in the country. I also uh, wasn't too surprised, but this did, you know, kind of confirm that because people are so busy, we generally prefer meals that are made in 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. Like we, we don't necessarily yeah. have the time or the desire to make very complicated meals. Yeah, you're, 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 tr- you're right. But there's another thing that goes with this. When I looked at the figures, uh, we've learned that most Canadians mm-hmm. are cooking with fresh ingredients. Oh, that's I mean, good. Prepared food is not—it's not something common. So, I mean, they, they, uh, you know, when you hear of different, you know, people talking about, you know, like how how tough it is, how bad, how bad we eat, how bad—it's not that true. We we eat quite well. Mm-hmm. We, there's always place for improvement, but people are not stupid. They're bright. They know. That if they're cooking themselves, it's going to be better, healthier, funnier, nice. Everything is better, and um, and I'm really happy to see this. That that prepared food, quite most of us will have some in the freezer, but it's just lifesavers. I mean, I mean, from time to time, you're caught, you want this, you're tired, whatever the reason, we will do that. But most of the time, we'll take you know the effort necessary to prepare things. And another thing, two thirds of Canadians have lunch every day. Oh, that's good. Well, that means a third arm. That's still a large number. It's really good, but and and mostly because when you're a kid, this is probably the first meal you will prepare. It's mm-hmm. a place to learn how to be uh, to be you know to, to be able to sustain yourself, and and it's good for your ego also. And it means that if there's that many people having lunch, it means that it's not a second grade meal. Right. We have to make sure that. We enjoy it, and it's different. There's a lot of colors and textures, and it's a moment where you can relax and, and enjoy that. And uh, it's always very happy to see that. Well, you know what? Some uh, interesting findings in your uh, in your survey, which are in the latest issue of your magazine, uh, Ricardo, which is out now. So it's a spring issue. Lots of great ideas in there as well in terms of making mealtime a little bit more enjoyable. Thanks so much, Ricardo, for your time. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Okay, have a great weekend. Okay, bye-bye. You too. Bye. So uh, coming up after the break, your chance to win a pair of tickets to the one-of-a-kind spring show. And uh, this guy, this 28-year-old lawyer, decided that he was going to write a book about your prostate, and it's actually done really well. This is the next story time book. I'm, I'm quite sure of it. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. To interact with Pay, text 71010 on your cell phone, star 8255. Or toll-free, 416-872-1010. You're tuned to the Pay Chen Show on News Talk 1010. 
I've never heard that promo where it says to interact with pay. Yes, interact with me. You can text in at 71010. With pay, text 71010. <laughs> but you have to know that after four o'clock, you can't interact with me. Someone else is going to read those texts. I used to have people text in. I don't know if they thought that 71010 was perhaps my private number or something. Like, it's the one that every the, all the hosts share. So depending on who's in the chair at that moment, that's who kind of sees your text. But there, there was a period of time where people were texting. As though no one else was going to read those texts. So I'm letting you know that um, we, sh- we share this number. Everyone uh, at the station can sh- can see it. But if you text in during the show, I'm the one who gets it. Uh, I was mentioning throughout the show that I have five pairs of tickets to give away to the one-of-a-kind spring show. It's taking place at uh, the Enercare building, which used to be... I think it used to be the Direct Energy building. But anyway, it's on the exhibition, and it's a fantastic show. I love going there to get just really unique um, gifts, and there's lots of really cool artisans and producers and vendors down there. So I've got five pairs of tickets to give away. The show runs um, Easter weekend. It starts March 23rd, goes until Sunday, March 27th. Uh, for your chance to win, just text in 71010. Interact with me! Until four o'clock. Uh, I will select five winners randomly and I'll text you back to let you know that you've won. The tickets will not be mailed to you. They will not be here at the station. They will be left in your name at the show. So at the Enercare building, at the direct, uh, sorry, at the uh, exhibition place. So when you go there, you would pick up your tickets left in your name. So text in at 71010 just before the uh, end of the show, before 4 o'clock, for your chance to win a pair of tickets. And um, you could be on your way to buying me a really beautiful gift. How fabulous. Uh, on the line, I've got uh, Ben Samaru. Uh, hi, Ben. Hi, Bay. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Now, I have to uh, say congratulations, first of all, because you have uh, you you wrote this really great little like picture book. It looks like a kid's book, like a kid's storybook. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, that's how it's meant to be set up. It's supposed to read like you know a, a book for a three or four year old, but it's uh, it's definitely not uh, not targeted at children. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So and, and and I know you've taken a taken a, a look at it, and I'm sure you can agree on that. Yeah. So it's like you know nice watercolor uh, images, and um, what? So I looked. I'm like, oh, it's like a little kid's storybook, <laughs> but it's actually called "Sincerely Your Prostate." So you wrote it to basically create awareness about men's health. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of the part of the message. So the um, just to give the listeners a little bit of uh, you know a description about the book. So the way that the way that we're kind of putting it out there is it's you know a collection of love letters uh, from certain male body parts, which mm-hmm. is meant to facilitate discussion about men's health uh, through humor and and hopefully you know gets people thinking about their uh, about their own health. And so um, as you saw, it depicts situations that the majority of men will face, like going to get your first prostate exam or sitting in a waiting room at an FDI clinic to get something checked out. And so um, that's kind of the way that the book is set up. And you wrote this one. I should mention that you're, you're 28, you're a lawyer, you live out, you're in Calgary, right? That's correct. So now most 28-year-olds I know haven't quite started to be concerned about any specific health issues because at that age, you're like, you're pretty healthy. Yeah, no, for sure, and that's a that's a great point. I think um, 
you know, as, uh, yeah, as, as a relatively young guy, like health issues aren't, uh, aren't a concern for, for the majority of my peers. But, uh, you know, as, as men get older, they become more, uh, more kind of, uh, proactive about their health and, and, you know, you know, things, things start to, to stop working. And that's when men start to, to go and see the doctor and things like that. And so, um, I think what the medical community, um, you know, is so, is so adamant about is, not just waiting until something goes wrong, you know, being proactive and, and, and seeking preventative health care. So I think it's, you know, super important for, for people my age and even, you know, younger and older to, uh, to, to, to start being more proactive about their health. I'm looking at one of the pages um, of the book. So it's a drawing, and like I said, it, like, it looks like a little story time, kid story time book. <laughs> and it's a guy, and he's leaning over a, like a table, like a exam table, and then there's a giant finger with a smiley face on it. And then the, the writing is, and then it happened. I will never forget the first time I felt that long, cold rubber finger poking and prodding me. You had finally noticed me. So these are... <laughs> It's a it's a little poem from your prostate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, um, what I'm ho- essentially what we're hoping that it does is it you know gets people kind of laughing and talking about, like I said, the you know these issues that uh, that every man's going to face. And you know, um, the, the the whole inspiration behind this was uh, kind of the realization that men are so hesitant to discuss their health, uh, you know, even if it's with their close friends and family, just because. They think it's a sign of weakness if they have to go to the doctor, or they might be embarrassed about whatever the issue is. Mm-hmm. And um, and so you mentioned raising awareness before, and and I think to a large extent for um, some men's health issues like you know um, prostate health, uh, the awareness is there to you know to a large extent thanks to um, organizations like Movember or the Canadian Cancer Society, and I think that's super important um but the way that the way that we're seeing it is that's only half of the equation and you know the awareness is there and the next you know uh, part of the next step is just reducing the stigmas that you know come with going to get your prostate checked or uh you know other below the belt cancers or erectile dysfunction and things like that and just just trying to um spread the message that these things are not a sign of weakness they're things that every man faces and um and, and yeah, so that's kind of our, uh, our, our inspiration there. Now you actually, um, are donating, uh, proceeds from the book, right? To a couple of charities. Sure. Yeah. So we, um, be, before we launched the book, we reached out to, um, the Canadian Cancer Society, um, which, you know, mo- most Canadians should be familiar with. And, um, and then the Men's Health Network, which is based out of Washington, D.C. And, um, so the, yeah, so the Men's Health Network, they, uh, their whole mission is just to encourage men to, you know, go out there and get information and, um, and, you know, see their doctors, uh, at the appropriate time. So mm-hmm. we really got, you know, felt like our message was compatible with them and, and also with Canadian Cancer. So we, um, we're donating 100% of our proceeds to, uh, each of those organizations as a 50-50 split. Oh, that's, so that's great. Mm-hmm. No, now, did you pub? Like, did you find a publisher for this book, or you you publish it yourself? Uh, it, it, we haven't. Uh, it, it, it is self published through Amazon, so mm-hmm. it, it was a relatively quick uh, quick turnaround from the time that um, we wrote the first poem to you know to actually uh, pushing it out, which was uh, on Monday last week. So, oh wow! Uh, yeah, it, it was a, about a two month process. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was pretty uh, you know. It, pretty quick uh, timeline, but we're, uh, we're reaching out to some publishers now that we've gotten some, uh, some, some really positive reception in our, in our launch week. So, um, 
so we we hope to 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 get the book available in stores right now it's available on on all of amazon's um uh, websites like .ca.com, etc. So the book is called Sincerely Your Prostate. On the line, I've got Ben Samaru, who is, uh, you You wrote the poems. Now, you refer to we a couple of times. So who's we? Did you have some help in this? Yeah, so I wrote the poems and um, I reached out to uh, an illustrator uh, named Rakaya Reza, who's mm-hmm. based out of Dubai. And um, so she's the, the the brilliant person behind the the cute little illustrations. That, They're very uh, adorable. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty hard to to be able to depict something like getting a prostate exam and you know making somebody laugh about it. So she's done just an incredible job. So um, she's the other person behind that, and uh, and yeah, so that it's the two of us that uh, that put this together. Now, so as I mentioned, you're 28 years old. You're already you're a lawyer, and you know now you're like making us all look bad by being uh, someone who's like creating awareness and raising money for charity. So thanks so much, Ben, for making the rest of us look like underachievers. Uh, but when you told people, like friends, family, like, hey, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna write a storybook about prostates. Like, what was that reaction? Uh, well, actually, I anticipated that the reaction wouldn't be, you know, it would be uh, kind of scattered, I think. So what I did was w- waited until the book was in print and ready to go. And then about a week before we launched it, then I started sending it out to friends and family just to kind of uh, generate some support before the launch. And uh, and the reactions are definitely, definitely uh, uh, interesting. I think uh, I got a few, few calls from friends uh, once I sent out an email to them and they were saying, hey, I think you need to get your computer checked because I think it has a virus. I got a, <laughs> an email about prostate. About right. So. <laughs> but, no, uh, but no, everyone's, everyone's been super positive and I think it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a good message and, 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 and people are happy to get behind it. So, so now, uh, do you have a, a, another book idea or is this, you're like, hey, you know what, I, I can check this off my list. I wrote a book. <laughs> You know, I think there is. Uh, I think there are a few other men's health issues that we want to cover. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is is heart health, and and so I think there's you know definitely the possibility for a sequel. Um, and uh, my illustrator and I also discussed uh, perhaps doing a women's health sequel, but mm-hmm. um, I I may need uh, may need to hire a consultant for uh, to get some information <laughs> about that. But <laughs> yeah, like well, that would probably be a good idea. But uh, I like that you're you know you're on this track of you know writing these great books for people that are, I mean, they're entertaining, but bottom line is um, you are talking about something that a lot of people feel uncomfortable discussing. Yeah, for sure. And we just want to, yeah, again, it, it just comes back to the fact that everybody faces this. Why do we need to be embarrassed about it or feel like we're weak? Um, so it's, uh, you know, just just getting people comfortable with the fact that, yeah, you can laugh about this. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it, it, you know, makes it so you talk to your friend a little bit earlier than you would you know, if you hadn't seen it, and that can help to to facilitate your decision to to see your physician at the appropriate time. Right. Well, all all great tips. Thanks so much, Ben, and congratulations on the success of the book. Awesome. So, uh, thanks so much for having me on the show, Pay. And I just wanted to mention the uh, if, if anyone wants more information, they can go to uh, www.yourprostate.org, and we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Fantastic. And the book is on Amazon. It's called Sincerely Your Prostate. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. For those of you texting in to win tickets to the One of a Kind Spring Show, please send in your first and last name. That's the only way I can know uh, basically who you are and how to leave the tickets for you at the show. Uh, so I'll stick around for a couple more minutes and let those last few text messages. 
messages come in. Um, happy spring tomorrow. Don't forget it is Macaron Day, and uh, there are various. Various bakeries that are participating and donating to charity. So there's a two reasons to uh, have a little sweet treat for yourself and to benefit someone else. And I'll be back. Actually, no, I'm lying to you. I'm away for the next two weekends. I'll be back in April. Thanks, everyone.